Welcome to our evening service tonight. We want to begin our worship with hymn number 471. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day, still praying as I onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Let's stand, please, and lift our voices and our hearts to the Lord in worship tonight. Let's come to the Lord, please, now tonight in prayer, committing our service to Him and praying for His blessing on our time together. Our loving Father, once more we bow humbly in Your holy presence in the name of our Lord and Savior, and on the ground of His merit and sacrifice. Lord, we have no other argument, no other plea, but it is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. 
And Lord, we ask tonight that we'll be very, very mindful of the Spirit's help and direction in every part of our service. We do not want to venture out on our own. We're not gathered here, Lord, by our own commission or charges. And we think again of the words of the prophet, It is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And therefore, Father, on the ground of that promise, we meet tonight, and we come to offer our worship. And our Father, we come to pray that the Word that we read would be a blessing to every heart, and that it would give us instruction and correction and help along life's way. Dear God, encourage us, we pray. We ask for blessing upon our young people. We pray for blessing to encourage them in their Christian walk. Pray that you would bless them in their schooling. And Father, whatever direction or door will open to them, help them to go forward confidently and strongly, attesting to their faith. For we know, Lord, there are many, many attacks against our youth today. And we pray they'll be surrounded by the Savior. And they will know the joy and the peace of Christ abiding in them, giving them strength for every step that they take along the way. Whether it's being going into a new class of school, a new stage in university, or whether it might be, Lord, the development of their employment and where you're leading them, we pray, Father, unmistakably that all will know the guiding hand of the living God upon them. Father, remember our congregation. Remember everyone who is not able to come tonight, perhaps watching online where they are. Bless them abundantly. Touch the lives and the bodies of those that need specific healing. Lord, we remember them before you by name, and we pray often for them individually. Hear our prayer tonight. Come to their aid and support and bless them abundantly. Lord, make use, we pray, of the testimony of this congregation. Make use of us as a corporate body of believers. But dear Lord, I pray that our witness individually, wherever we go each day, that you would multiply and bless that and make us soul winners, we pray, dear Father, for the extension of the kingdom of Christ and the honor of our Lord Jesus. Father, hear our prayers tonight. Encourage us as we continue on in our walk with Christ. And bless us as we read the Scriptures now. Let that Word be an encouragement to our hearts and also as we study a little bit later in the life of Daniel. Hear this prayer tonight, we ask, in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, number 352, Like a River Glorious. We'll stand again to sing.
You'll see we have some of our young people here who are playing on the instrument. This is a real encouragement, and we're waiting. Our brother Alan is getting his instrument tuned up again, and we look forward to welcoming him back to have some accompaniment for our evening worship, and that's a good thing. And if we find out that some of the rest of you have hidden talents and you're hiding them, we might call you to the front and ask you to take part. It's a good thing to be able to praise God with instrument and also in our praise and in our hearts, and so we enjoy to do that. So be encouraged, and remember to pray for the young people and all who will take part in that service. Let's sing this final verse. Every joy or trial falleth from above, traced upon our dial by the Son of Love. Let's turn in our Bibles now to Psalm 83, Psalm 83 for our congregational reading. As you're turning up there, you will notice as we read through this psalm, there are some, well, very important links that will connect up with Daniel chapter 6 in our study tonight. Psalm 83. Keep not thou silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people, and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom and of Ishmaelites, of Moab and the Hagarenes, Gebal and Ammon, and Amalek, Philistines, with the inhabitants of Tyre. Asher also is joined with them. They have holpen the children of Lot, Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as to Sisera, as to Jabin at the brook Kishon which perished at Endor, they became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, yea, 
all their princes as Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, Let us take to ourselves the houses of God in possession. O my God, make them like a wheel, as the stubble before the wind, as the fire burneth a wood, and as the flame setteth the mountains on fire. So persecute them with thy tempest, and make them afraid with thy storm. Fill their faces with shame, that they may seek thy name, O Lord. Let them be confounded and troubled forever. Yea, let them be put to shame and perish, that men may know that thou, whose name alone is Jehovah, art the Most High over all the earth." May God bless His Word as we have read tonight to us. And that final verse, well, it really gives to us a summary, drawing together the conclusion of all the purposes of men on this world and the purpose that God will have to accomplish, that the name of the Lord Jehovah, high above all, will be glorified, His purposes will be extended, and no power and no force will be able to stand against Him. Our Lord God omnipotent reigneth, and He will accomplish all that He intends in the, well, in the ways of men, in the governments of this world, in those that, well, they're crafty, and they go behind the scenes, behind closed doors, and they try to overturn. But He that sitteth in the heavens will laugh, because our God is the ruling reigning sovereign of all things. May God bless His Word to our hearts tonight as we have read. We give you a warm word of welcome tonight to our evening service. It's good to see you. Welcome in the service. If you're here for the first time or you've come back, you're very, very welcome. And we want to also say a word of welcome to those viewing our service online. And a warm word of welcome to our brother Dan Browett, and a brother is traveling at this time, and I believe tuned into the service tonight. So, brother, we want you to know, we remember you in prayer. The Lord encourage you and keep you safe in your travel. Thank you all for your faithful and ongoing prayers for our school as we got underway this past week. And I know that our staff members and our students, they greatly appreciate when we convey to them that we're praying for them. And they are challenged and encouraged by that. So please continue on. Let's not forget to pray for the persecuted Christians across this world. We know of many accounts of believers who have been suffering and who are suffering this day for none other reason but they name the name of Christ. And as they do so, it fulfills the promise that Jesus said that You'll be cast out of the synagogues. You'll be separated from the religious establishment. You will be persecuted and tormented and even brought to death because you have followed my way. Well, friends, let's not forget to pray for them who are suffering in prison, in bonds, as bound with them. Please remember the services Uh, tonight uh, and also in this incoming week. First of all, the announcement about afterwards.
youth choir practice after the evening service tonight. And that's for every young person, young adult. I want you to know you're welcome to be a part of that. We hope you'll stay behind and participate. Wednesday evening, our Bible study and prayer time at 7.30. And then on Thursday night, the session and board meeting. First of all, the elders at 6, and then the deacons and elders at 7.30. On Monday, September the 19th, we want to have the second of our work parties. And this will be a really main one for the inside of the church, for all the ladies involved in in cleaning. We'd like you to come as soon as you can on the 19th of September. That's a Monday night. Six o'clock will be the rallying point. And if you could come, all the supplies will be here that will be necessary. And the men will be working outside that night. We have several jobs that need to get done, and we want to make all uh, efficiency that we can because of the short daylight hours. Please remember in prayer the upcoming visit of Reverend Ryan McKee from Macrofelt in Northern Ireland. He'll be here along with his wife for a weekend of meetings. We're looking forward to it. It'll be a full schedule. And on Saturday, we hope to have an international dinner at 5 p.m. in the church. And so, ladies, that will be very important in the preparation of that. And any men who might be cooking as well will not refuse any of those dishes. And we'll look forward to some good fellowship over that weekend. Many meetings. I won't go over them all now, but they will be on our church bulletin. That is emailed out to all the church members, and so please take heed about that. Most important, that we'll be involved in prayer, and like setting aside that time, like to have everyone really engaged and committing themselves to all the meetings so that we would have a very good time together. We're going to sing again one final hymn before the word, number 390, Jesus Paid It All. All to Him I owe, 390, remaining seated while we sing. Stand, please, for these final two verses. 
Please turn now your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. We're going to read the first nine verses. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom an hundred and twenty princes, which should be over the whole realm. And over these three presidents, of whom Daniel was first that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find none occasion nor fault, for as much as he was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king and said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors, and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute, to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for thirty days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing, that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. We'll ask for the Lord's help, please, in the ministry of His Word now. Father, as we have this word open, our prayer again is for our hearts to be open. Take away every distracting thought tonight, I pray. Help me, Lord, to speak your word faithfully. I pray that all distractions would be taken away. That, Lord, the Spirit, of God 
would minister to us and show us and teach us the things we are to learn. Give us that grace, we pray, and help. And help me, Lord, this night. I pray all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. There is so much for us in this chapter and many verses that we could use as a key verse or text tonight. But I want to focus in around verse number 4, where it says that the presidents and the princes, they sought to find occasion against Daniel. But we also learn from this portion of Scripture that this man of God had an excellent spirit. And the excellency of that spirit, we trust the Lord will teach us what that means. But a title for the message would simply be Treachery Against Daniel. As we concluded chapter 5, Daniel had interpreted the strange writing on the palace wall. The terrorizing message that settled in the mind of Belshazzar, he had no time to prepare and get his house in order. The Medo-Persian army, they had diverted the Euphrates River. It had run under the wall and through the city of Babylon, and it enabled the Persian Medo soldiers to come through knee height in water, and they were able to get under the wall and virtually take the city with little to no opposition. And those solemn words are spoken, that night was Belshazzar slain. It marked the swift fulfillment upon an unrepentant man. You know, we hear those words, that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And that could have been inscribed on the headstone of Belshazzar, if there ever was a headstone for that man. The promise that Daniel would be the third ruler in the kingdom, well, it kind of rang hollow at that point because the kingdom was over. Babylon was taken. And Daniel had no standing at all in the kingdom. But the new government that quickly was established it was a government that needed governors and overseers. It needed those who knew how things had been running before, well, and how they would keep things running as smoothly as possible. So through God's providence and the protecting hand of the Lord, Daniel was elevated quickly to a place of authority, a place of governance in this Medo-Persian kingdom under Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian. The account given to us in chapter 6 is 
Well, it's quite an amazing chapter in the Word of God. I would say one of the most famous because of the account that's given to us of Daniel being elevated to a high office in that regime of the deception of these presidents and how they well moved by their subterfuge to get the king to make a decree. The ultimate end of that was that Daniel's cast into the den of lions and how many times in the drama and of the thousands of times children and adults have enjoyed hearing this account because of the marvelous and mighty victory that God gave. What about the convictions of the man of God, that he would not bend, he would not give in, he would not surrender that which he held very firmly to his own heart, no matter what the cost. Does that that encouragement and challenge come to us tonight as well? I want to think about the events that took place in all of the organizing and the manipulating of these particular presidents and the barbaric judgment about being thrown into the den of lions. And we need to learn tonight that no matter how faithful a man of God, a woman of God would be, that that does not mean that they are excluded from some of the most horrendous judgments that would fall. And may God help us, friends, tonight to see where we stand in our juncture of church history and what would be required of us. Will we stand tonight as men and women of conviction? Will we stand along with men like Daniel in his day? I pray that the Lord would help us and enable us along that end. Note, please, in the first place, the promotion that happened to this man of God. We're told in verse 3 that because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, having followed the story, the account of Daniel from the beginning, we have an advantage that Darius did not have. For we have already followed the history of this man and the marks of his character that made him a man to stand out among many. But whatever was communicated to this new king about this man, Daniel, him being a former head of state, it was clear that his services would be needed. And so in the restructuring, Darius sets up 120 princes, or satraps, as that name would have been called originally, that would be placed over the kingdom. And their task would be to see that the taxes were collected in every region in every province. Their task would be, in the structure of governing, they would be assigned the responsibility that the king would not suffer any damages. And that simply means that, well, 
the taxes would come in. And if there were any shifty dealers, if there were any people who thought they were going to reach into the king's business, they would not be allowed to do that because the watchful eye of these 120 scattered all over the empire, they would be set in place. But then three presidents were also marked. And three presidents to whom all the 120 princes would be brought to give account. And Daniel, this man of the previous empire, this man who was not a Mede or a Persian, this man who was a Jewish captive, this man would be brought even to the very forefront. Because you will notice what we are told in verse 3, that then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents. Now he's coming to quite a lofty position in the kingdom. But in this kingdom, don't forget that Darius had brought with him many of his own princes. He had brought with him his own presidents. But this one man is now about to be elevated to the very highest place. Because an excellent spirit was in him, we are told, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. This was in the mind of Darius the king, the Mede. He had so witnessed, he had so heard about the testimony of this man of God that he was ready to make Daniel the CEO. He was going to be the chief executive officer, the height, the lead man in all the kingdom. Such was evidence of the ability that was seen in this man of God. So we ask ourselves a question, what was there about this man? What was this excellent spirit of Daniel that saw him promoted in his day? Now, obviously, we know that God's Spirit was upon this man, that the Lord had already been working in him. He's not a young man now, Daniel. He is now a man of his senior years, possibly 80 years of age or more. So he had lived his life. He had walked with his God. He had left a testimony in the wake of his life. And that testimony was a noble, a spotless, an excellent one. And it must have been that Darius was recommended to take this man on board, because if you do, you will not suffer any damage or harm. It was God's Spirit that marked the life and the testimony of this, of this saint of God. The Spirit of God was in his life. And it was the Spirit of God that was excellent within him. That was the light that shone from his face. It was, I say to you tonight, the glow 
of the Messiah. The glow of Christ was about this man. And just as when Moses went up into the mountain and was in God's holy presence, and he came back down again, his face glistened. His face glowed. The excellent Spirit of God was upon him. And this was the testimony of this man of God. When we think about what it was that defined the excellent Spirit that was so evident in him, surely it was that he was a man of integrity. As an older statesman, Daniel had seen much during his years. His years under Nebuchadnezzar. His years under the monarchs that reigned after Nebuchadnezzar and right up until Belshazzar, the last king of Babylon. He had seen it all. He had seen those that had risen to great pomp and circumstance. He had seen those that had lived their life in riotous drinking and revelry as Belshazzar had. And this man of God who had navigated through and had been mingling among all the filth and the debauchery that would have taken place among those kings and in the queens and all their concubines and all the partying. And yet this man, by God's grace, managed to come through unscathed. Managed to come through without his own clothing being soiled or dirtied by all that he had to do in navigating the kingdom's affairs. How could this be, you ask? Quite frankly, I ask the same question. For many a man, a man has ended up soiling the testimony when he is presented with many, many temptations and much luring of the devil. How would you do, friend? How would I do in such a promoted, prominent position? Would we not be tempted to give in a little? Would we not be tempted by the temptations, the lusts, all things that are presented before such a man in such a position? But he has come through as a testimony to us tonight as an excellent spirit, as a man in the Bible, very few of them, to which there is no sin recorded. That is a, a shocking reality, friend. For the man that is cited to be after God's own heart, the king of Israel, David, the Lord had to account many of his failings brought against that man. And yet against Daniel, there is nothing recorded. Now, you and I will know that that does not mean he was a sinless man. For all men born of Adam are sinful and depraved human beings. 
As a matter of fact, Daniel himself later on in his book will acknowledge his own sin and the sin of the nation of Israel as he sees the fulfillment of Jeremiah's 70-year prophecy coming to to pass. And he spends 21 days in fasting and prayer before God, pouring out his heart. This man of God has the testimony of all the ungodly around him. He has an excellent spirit. And he has an excellent spirit, my dear brothers and sisters, because the Spirit of God was in him and shining through him. Because he was a man of integrity. (laughs) A few years ago, there was a serviceman that came to the school to do some work. And in the course of conversation back and forth, asking about how his work, how long he'd been working at the place, and so on. I'm not exactly sure how the subject matter came up, but he'd said something about his boss wanting him to fudge some numbers on a spreadsheet that would have made the company look better in the eyes of the customer. And he refused to do it. And he said to the boss, he said, if I will lie and cheat for you, then I will lie and cheat to you. The man, of course, standing up to the boss in such a situation was in jeopardy of losing his job. Everything on the line. But that man still has his job today. He is a manager of operations in that same company. And well, that boss stepped back and did not fire him, for in so doing, he would have, he would have let go uh, an honorable man. My dear friends, you and I today, as we are confronted with all of the garbage and dirt and pollution and compromise of our day, we're not living in any different day morally than there was in the days of Babylon or the days of Persia. There is as much sin as you want to find to be found today as there was then. But how will it be for our testimony Will it be said of you, friend, in your workplace, in the family, in where you're operating in the community, will it be said, that person, whatever there is about them, they have an excellent spirit. They have a spirit of integrity. I know I could trust that person with my banking information. Now, I don't think they're going to do it, but they might at least be prepared to say, I would trust them with my banking information because I know they they would never cheat me. They are people of integrity. It's interesting to do a simple search to find out the meaning of integrity or how it's defined in the encyclopedias and dictionaries. It says the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles that you refuse to change. In other words, my friends, if you are a man or woman of integrity, then that integrity is not up for sale. 
It's not to be bartered with. And you're not going to give in or surrender it at any price because it is for the honor of your Lord and for the honor of your God. Because that's exactly where Daniel was in his day. He didn't care about what people thought about him or said about him. He didn't care if there were people on his side or on the opposite side. He had proved God through a life of service and work. He had proved God from his young teenage years. He had proved God before he was ever taken a captive from Israel. He proved God that he would not defile himself in those early times of Nebuchadnezzar. And now, as an elder statesman, he is going to maintain his testimony. You know, friends, sometimes we make double emphasis upon the youth in our congregation and challenge and encourage them, as we should, not to defile themselves with the king's meat, to stay faithful to the Lord, to endeavor to serve God in your youthful years. Those are good admonitions. But let's be careful not to neglect having a word of challenge to the older members What about bearing a testimony for Christ in old age? How many folks have become tired and have become weary and worn out and have in some way confused or complicated or compromised their testimony in old age? As we get older in the gospel, let us not think for a moment that we can stand on some kind of reputation. We can stand on, well, we've made our days, we've put in our time, now we've got a right to be a bit, a bit slack. No, friend, in no way. Don't allow in your older years of following Christ, don't allow yourself to give in or surrender or to compromise that which you know is right and true. Stand by the excellency of the Spirit that God has given to you and end your days well. Do not end your days in, in failure of turning against or aside from the gospel in any way. No, my dear brothers and sisters, go out, as the proverb says, as a shining light more and more as older and older that we get in the gospel and for our Master. Let us end our days well and for the honor of Him who is well worthy. We are called to be men and women of integrity, of such an excellent spirit. It means, you know, that as we don't give ourselves up for sale or our integrity for any price, it's not something you put on or we put on for a moment just when others are watching. It's not just to make a good impression, but actually it's when no one is watching, or at least we don't think anyone's watching. It's when we're alone, maybe with the funds of the company, when we have an opportunity to do something to promote ourselves or to advance our own cause. But no, it would be a compromise against 
the Lord's Word. Maybe slacking off, stealing time from the employer. No one's going to see, no one's going to know. Or some twisted kind of thinking that, oh, there are big companies, big corporations, they'll never miss it. Oh, no, friends. That's not how the Lord would have us to be. He wants the excellency of His Spirit working in and through us to go down into the very depths of our being, of the inner man, and how we answer and are accountable to our Father in heaven. For we know that no one else may be watching, but He certainly is always watching, and His eye does not miss anything. The Lord can't be hoodwinked, you know. At times when we are deceiving ourselves, we're not deceiving the Lord, and we must be very clear and open in all these matters before Him. You know, Paul reminded the Roman Christians in Romans 12, 17, he said, providing things honest in the sight of all men. Well, that, that was written of Daniel. And it needs to be written over our lives too in all things because we love the Lord and we want to be faithful and honorable to Him. So it's going to be in personal integrity. But I would say to you, it's also in humility. You cannot deny the fact that Daniel was a man of humility. The word excellent that's translated here means someone who is preeminent or surpassing or extraordinary. And I suppose some people could boast of being squeaky clean in their integrity. But of course, once someone begins to boast of how good they are or how clean they are or how pure they are or how honest they are, well, something's missing, isn't it? And it's the humility that the Lord speaks about in His Word. But all we know about Daniel, it certainly points not to a charade or some kind of pretense. He wasn't doing this to make a name for himself. He was a genuine man of God. He was a true man who walked humbly with his Lord. And the words that we hear from the prophet, what does the Lord require of us but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God? Let that be a marker in our lives, my dear friends. Let the world look at us and say, I may not follow their Christ, I may not want their religion, but quite honestly, I can't point a finger at them. He was a man of great humility because it was the Spirit of the Lord that was upon him. And there was also in Daniel a spirit of unshaken faith in God. A man of faith a man that had his faith evidently driving all that he was and all that he did. It wasn't that he was just a moral character. And I know that before they acknowledged that the spirit of the gods was upon him, and the people who said that were not thinking about the God of heaven, they were thinking about, well, what it appeared to be in the deities of the heavens and the gods that they worshipped. There's something was special about this man. 
And you know, in our Christian life, people may not be able to readily say, well, I know they're a follower of Christ. But hopefully from our testimony, we will be able to point them in that direction. And we'll have the opportunities to share of our Lord Jesus with them. Because that's why we're here. And that's why God's Spirit is upon us. And we want to follow Him in that very, very careful way. And known as men and women of faith. Faith in Christ. And I wonder, friend, today, if you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord, and you're wondering, well, what about this guy, Daniel? What about his excellent spirit? But I will tell you, he knew his God. And I pray that you tonight will also come to bow the knee before the God of heaven. Because Jesus said in John chapter 16, he said that if they hate me, it's because they have hated my Father, the God in heaven. And there's no sort of idea, well, I believe in the God of heaven, but I don't accept your Jesus. No, friend. For if we reject Christ, we have rejected the Father. Because the God of the Bible, the God of creation, the God of eternity, is the God and Father of Christ. And He was Daniel's God. And He is our God tonight. As we move on in our study this evening, I want you to think secondly about the treacherous plans that were put in place by unscrupulous men. Jealousy and envy, it gripped the hearts of the gang of 120 princes and of two presidents. This was a mob, and it was motivated by bitterness and by hatred of Daniel, and how the king had elevated him to a place, well, they didn't think he should have. They should have it. Keep in mind, this was not Daniel's doing, this elevation. It was not his fault. It was the king's deal. Darius had put him in that place, and he was going to exalt him even higher. And it was at that very point that as they knew the king was going to make him over all the realm, then, it tells us in verse 4, then these princes and presidents were motivated. They searched hard. They were going over the records and the books of the empire. But they couldn't find anything amiss. Every jot, every tittle, every line was accurate. There was not a mistake. No charge could be laid against the man regarding his actions or his accounting in the kingdom. So what did they do then? Well, they did, as so often is the case, they turned to find something in his person. They looked for personnel assassination. And they searched, if we could say it, they searched his computer to find out were there any bad sites that he had been visiting? They looked up his social media accounts to find out had there been any 
communication with any of the women in the palace that was a bit inappropriate? Ah, yes, friends. They were looking for the smut. They were looking for the dirt. And they were searching deep to find what they could find. But they could not find anything against this man of God. He was faithful. Neither was there any fault found in him. Friends, we have to read that again. Look in verse 4. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful, faithful in all the kingdom, faithful in all his accounting, faithful in everything that had to do with the king. Now the next phrase, neither was there any error or fault found in him. What kind of a man are we dealing with here? Friends, if that was to be the examination against any one of us, what would come up? We might be afraid. What might come up? But here is a man of God, a man of the Spirit of God, a man to whom the world could find no fault against him. Here was a man of Christ. Here was a man that bore the image of his Redeemer. Here was a man like the Lord Jesus, for when they tried and sought to find some sin against the Lord, they could find none. There was nothing. And only the false charges that they would bring against him, against Christ, they couldn't make any of them stick. You remember, it wasn't until Jesus really allowed them to find something against him when he spoke and identified and said who he was. And then they acknowledged, blasphemy, he has blasphemed God. And then they rent their clothes and did their wicked worst against him. And Daniel, when they could not find anything against the man, he was a man that lived above and without reproach. We know that in Timothy, Paul gave the charge to the church that the qualifications of elders and deacons are to be above reproach. Let that settle down into the mind and heart of every deacon and every elder here, including this minister, because the requirement of being without reproach is that the world, when they would scour and search our lives, well, they would not find anything to bring against us. This is the type of holy life that God is requiring and that the testimony of the Lord is. So how are we doing in our own lives so far? What if evil men were trying to bring us down? Would they find ammunition 
would they find warrant? These presidents were unable to get the dirty against Daniel in his personal life or in his business life. And so they turned to the only place left that they had, and that was his personal relationship with his God. That's a happy place to be, actually. And I would hope and pray that if there has to be any charge brought against this minister or any charge brought against an elder or deacon or man in this congregation, it would have to be found against our God. It'll have to be found against what we believe and our convictions. And then let them bring the charge. That's exactly where Daniel was standing. And so what did they do? Well, they schemed up a plan and involved the worship of his God. His prayer life. Oh, it was a stroke of genius. They said, we've got him now. We know what this man does three times a day. We know where he goes. We know what he does. This is it. This is a windfall. They've got him now. They're going to bring this guy down. And so they schemed and planned and worked. And it was for the common good of the government and society. This can come about by many different ways. And in the oppression that government brings against the church of Christ and against the people of God to intrude into areas that they have no right. But in truth they will, and often for the reason it's for society. It's for the good of the empire, the nation. And everyone gets on side. And so who is on side here? Well, we read the list of them. There were governors, captains, princes, presidents. They were all involved in this together. Because they saw, if we don't stop this guy, we don't know what's going to happen. You see, friend, when a believer in Christ goes against or simply does not support or condone such agendas that are being promoted today in our land, in our country, wonder of wonders, don't be surprised, there will be trouble. Problems, and they are coming. And we will be targeted. And we will be vilified. We'll be called disturbers of the peace. Those who are upsetters of the common good of the land in our day. And does it not sound very familiar? In our present society, there is a war against the Bible. There is a war against all that is called decent and good by the Scriptures. And we as God's people in our day, we have been on the receiving end of this twisted thinking of our government and our educational institutions, prime ministers, lobby groups, a relentless attack against biblical morality that is held with deep conviction by God's people. May God help us, dear brothers and sisters, in our day to stand up for what is right, to stand up for what is true in our evil time. The final point tonight is this. A very foolish decision motivated by 
pride. This may sound very strange to us that such a decree that they were requesting of the king to make that no one would ask any petition of any god or any other man for 30 days except for Darius. And you think, well, it all sounds kind of strange. How does that work? How does that fit in? Well, we have to understand a little bit about how emperors and leaders were looked upon in that day. They were deified. They were looked upon as being sons of the gods. And therefore, it seemed only natural and right that they would be worshipped. Or in this case, that any appeal or request would have to come through this God representative on earth. Sounds a bit like the Pope, doesn't it? A bit like the papacy. And a bit like the idea and the madness that goes on of people praying and requesting and thinking that such things are devolved to men who are sinful men of themselves. But these presidents that came to Darius and presented this appeal to him and this decree, they cared little for such nonsense. I don't believe these men really thought that Darius was any kind of a god or deity, but they looked upon this as an opportunity. And they, capt- they, capture- they really captured the foolish pride of this monarch, this king. It was to stroke him like a cat, and they would get what they wanted. And indeed they did. And Darius thought, this is a great idea. People will come and ask me. Now, why only 30 days? It's hard to really tell why they set that time period on it, but evidently they knew that Daniel was going to continue on his habit and pattern, and so they just set this time period of 30 days. And when they made that law, and when the king stamped it with his ring and sealed it, they knew that according to the constitution and the laws of the empire of the Medes and Persians, once the king had made a declaration, it could not be changed. Now, there's good reason why they would have done that, because if there was a law worthy to be made, they didn't want the thing just willy-nilly erased again by someone else who would come along. So, there was probably good reason why they did that initially, but these presidents and princes knew all about that. And they were leading Darius down the garden path step by step, and he swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker. He took it all. And he was bloated up like a balloon, overfilled with air. But as we will see in our next study, it soon came to light that he was duped by making this law. How pride, you know, blinds man. And this king was no different. And we would also draw a lesson from that, wouldn't we? Not to be overcome by flattery. Not to be overcome in thinking we are better than we are. For when we look inside, we are not good at all. We are corrupt. What do we learn in conclusion by all this tonight? There are six points. 
It will come up on the screen. Six things that we can just draw and wrap and tie all this up. We are called to do what is right, leaving the outcome to God. Because we don't know what the end will be. We must follow the Lord. And we must walk with integrity, with personal integrity before the Lord by His Spirit that is abiding within us. We also learn that the devil never wearies of plotting against the people of God. He's been doing it from the beginning and he will do it until he's finally destroyed and cast into the bottomless pit. But until then, let us not be drawn in by his temptations and his subtleties. Do not be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, by governments that make laws that are against God, His Word, and His followers. They have been made before, and they will be made again. They are being made in our day. Let us determine, therefore, to do what is right, no matter who makes opposing rules. We want to stand for our Lord and be true for Him in our day. And as we were thinking this morning in the adult Bible class, as I brought a little challenge to the people from Psalm 37, that we would commit our way unto God, that we will trust also in Him, and He will bring us to victory. He will bring to pass all that we endeavor to do for Him according to His will, for He is our great, sovereign, loving merciful Savior. And we say tonight that we love Him, for He has first loved us. I wonder, friend, do you love the Lord tonight? Are you saved by His grace? Do you know Him in your heart? Are you walking in light and fellowship of Him? Let us pray that the Spirit of truth will so direct and empower us that we will have this excellent Spirit It will be a mark of every believer from this fellowship. And we'll go forward, conquering and to conquer by the grace of our great God. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, we pray that the light of truth, the light of the Spirit of God would continually shine through us, that the beauty of Christ Jesus would be on us, and that we would walk in the center of your perfect will. Hear our prayer tonight. Encourage and strengthen every heart. And dear Father, go in front of us in this incoming week. Give us fresh opportunities to be a witness for the Savior. Lord, open the door that we might point people to the Savior. Hear our prayers tonight. And now part us in your fear with your mighty and rich blessing until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.